What's up, Moto Buddies? Mike here from Taco Moto Co. Who are we? We make and sell the ultimate products to perfect out your Austrian dual sport motorcycle, um, a KTM EXC, EXCF, XCFW, Husqvarna FE, and FES. And soon we'll be developing uh, some, some products and components for the Honda CRF 450L, RL, and X bikes. Uh, we build out bikes for our clients and friends from Sunday Trail Specials all the way up to fully equipped global slayers like what RTW Paul is riding on as he uh, travels around the world on an EXC 500. In late 21, we'll be rolling out a full-service suspension shop as well as a motor program, full rebuilds, blueprinting, balancing, getting rid of the motor buzz and the big board KTM thumpers, top-end valve grindings, uh, the works. Uh, we want to extend, ultimately, what we're after is to extend your ride day uh, and your endurance and your stamina and be able to keep you on the bike for more riding years. We've got a bunch of 70-year-old riders out there who, with our help, Hopefully, we'll be riding well into their 90s. Taco Motico, find us on the spe- on the, out on all the socials. Uh, go out and get some adventure. On episode 68 of Tech Talk Taco Tuesday, you'll find Jimmy by himself talking about many subjects, such as chain torque affecting traction, Yamaha's Tenere 700, Christini's, and surprise, Husebergs. As you keep listening, you'll also find that Heather becomes the star of the show, even though she's not on it. Without any further ado... Let's listen in. So live from Pahrum, this is Tech Talk Taco Tuesday. This is the show where tonight Jimmy Lewis sits here by himself and babbles endlessly about motorcycle and motorcycle-related questions. Um... Uh, don't ask me anything about wiring, although I did see some questions about wiring in some of the forms, um, in some of our, uh, things. I, where did I, um, I printed all that stuff out. Can somebody go to the printer and get me all the pages that printed out of the printer? And, uh, cause I didn't uh, bring those over here. I see George is out there. I was, I was thinking about calling you George, but you know what? We can't do calls now because the soundboard doesn't work. So we're done. <laughs> uh, we're gonna have to run this thing wide open from the uh, from behind the computer screen here. So I think the questions, yeah, everybody says they can hear me clearly now. It's a great way to start a show. This show is brought to you by KTM. KTM is powered by a distinct ready to race mentality. KTM is the world's leading high performance street and off road sport motorcycle manufacturer with. North American headquarters based in Murrieta, California. Over the years, KTM has built a reputation as a fierce competitor on racetracks around the world. And the brand's remarkable global success is reflected in every product developed and every move it makes. So that is our read. And I have three people wandering around the shop looking for the printer of some way, shape, or form. So I just got it. That's it. That's exactly what I needed, what I was going to bring over here before the sound started working. So congratulate you, yourself. There. Yeah, the printer here. So we're going to really have to keep it down because we're not running on microphones, and this thing picks up every horrible sound, and I hate bad sound quality. But then again, we're a motorcycle show, and we'll get into the sound quality later. So I also would like to thank Climb. Uh, what we have tonight, we're going to do on this show is, uh, yeah, Al, when you sit down, no noise. You can't, you just everything's got to be, zip. yeah. Uh, 
Everything uh, Climb does, let's see, uh, Climb is powered by a desire to make really good motorcycle gear. They are the world's leading high-performance gear manufacturer um, with the North American headquarters in, I believe it's Rigby, Idaho. Um, over the years, Climb has built a reputation as a great gear company on trails around the world. The brand's remarkable global success is reflected in all the gear it makes and every move it makes also. So that was more of it. Yeah. Well, how did, how did we get more of it? don't the pages, so I don't know where. Oh, no, this doesn't count. That's all. That's last time. Say it says 67 and this is 68. <laughs> so uh, thanks, Climb. So we're going to do Climb, show us your junk. Um we're pretty sure we have some winners. So you don't want to watch this show. You want to listen to this show. So if you're clicking around on your internet, uh, search the hashtag show climb your junk. Uh, and you will come up with some videos and some Instagram posts. And I promise you, you will learn something about uh, what to stuff in your fanny pack. Because I always get that question. Uh, what are you putting in your backpack, your fanny pack, your vest? What do you carry with you? I did a video. Uh, Lucas Eddie from Climb also did a video, and uh, they were on Instagram and on YouTube's. So uh, we kind of narrowed it down to a couple of our favorites. But if you think you can convince me otherwise, go ahead and use the Facebook chat room if you're if you're live in there to uh, tell me the ones that you really liked. If you're uh, checking that stuff out, so I probably just meant said uh, open up a different window in your browser, and then that way you don't we don't lose you on the show because. You know, we're we're all about the numbers here. How many people are watching? <laughs> so, uh, anyways, thanks for everybody for joining in. Um, I think we have a lot of Tenere Seven Hundred questions, uh, comments on the video. Uh, we have um, some other stuff too. And to follow up on one of the things we talked about last week, one of the guys, um, his name is his name is Todd had a Christini and he asked what he should do to kind of power it up or make it work better. And, um, I kind of wasn't really sure exactly where he was at, but he sent me a really long email, uh, kind of about it. And I'll go ahead and read it now. It's Jimmy. Um, I wrote on the podcast, wrote into the podcast regarding the 450 Christini engine re rebuild. I also wrote in before about the hanging item on, on my 19 KTM 300 XCW TPI. I followed up with an improvement after installing the Slavens Racing idle screw to the throttle body. Well, I thought maybe I'd elaborate a little bit more on the Christini. The 16 Christini, so the 2000 Christini, is actually the fuel-injected one. I thought it was uh, carbureted when he uh, sent it in. However, the Christini self-admittedly was not happy with the uh, Ecotron setup and has since swapped over to a Delphi EPI, EFI system and components, which is what they run on the 2020 Plus bikes. I know that's what I've been playing with. I haven't been able to tune out some low speed, wide open bogging, and there is a hesitation between wide open throttle and power delivery. The bike just will not lop the front with power to save its life. Uh, especially with that older fuel injection system, that is correct. Therefore, I have adjusted my riding and anticipate needing the front end to get light much sooner than if the power was there on tap. If you have a KTM 300, you know what power on tap is. I'm not looking for a monster in terms of power, but rattle, rather improved throttle response. I bite, bought the bike with only a thousand miles on it, but they were obviously rough 
mud bogging, see how stuck I can get in the all-wheel drive kind of miles. This bike was roached. A clutch fiber had broken to a million pieces in the Z-Start Pro clutch pack, so I've had metal shavings in the motor since I got it. It ran okay for 30 hours, but with tuning on the Ecotron system on the laptop at home, then jamming through the gears on the street, I think I bent a shift fork or maybe the slivers of clutch material welded the shift shaft to the fork. So anyways, I pulled the motor and local engine grew roof um, awaiting word. I have attempted to split the cases, but it would fumble my way looking at YouTube videos rather than just leave it to experts and get a reliable product back. Yeah, sometimes that's the best thing to do. Sorry to turn this into a novel. While the bike is apart, I have the wiring harness off and have been in contact with the amazing guys at Christini about updating their Delphi EFI system. I guess it replaces everything fuel and electronically related. I've opted to go with the $1,300 kit and hope the investment will get me throttle response. It will get you a lot of throttle response compared to the Ecotron system, but it will still be minimal throttle response to compare to what you're used to in uh, with like the KTM 300 or any modern, real modern day um, fuel injection system. On a side note, why dump all this money into an old technology, a dated bike, because I think American Innovation, a US-based company, and something different in the collection is worth supporting. The bike has its place, and I know that. It's a blast to ride and something I'll keep in the collection. I'll get back to you with an update when it's back together. Uh, work and um working what make progress slow oh youngins youngins that that be children's i think mm -hmm. yeah oh. children make progress so thanks for your time uh so i think going to that new efi system is uh going to be a big improvement i'm trying to get some stuff so i can actually go in and reprogram the the delphi ecu um unfortunately because of all the covid stuff the little thing that I need is actually stuck in Poland or Hungary or wherever. And so I don't have access to that. But when I get that, I'm pretty sure I can get that bike running really good. Um, as you know, it's sold as an emissions compliant bike. So what we're trying to do is turning into a competition bike. And it's not like Delphi has a competition ECU, but we just have to be able to get inside of it and do a little bit of work. So when that happens, um, hopefully uh, it happens. And then <laughs> we'll see uh, what goes on from there. Hey, I know of uh, someone selling a really cherry KTM 990 Baja edition, if anybody's interested. Um, it'll cost you almost as much as in the Yamaha Tenere, but some people really like those bikes. And I know there's a question comparing those two bikes, so we'll uh, get into that later. Um, one of the comments on our YouTube videos, and so you wonder, how do you comment? How do you get Jimmy to talk about your question? How do you get your question answered? Well, number one, um, we can do it live in the chat room, um, especially when I can figure out how this thing works. And tonight it seems like it's working. Um, if you ask a question in the chat room, I will generally come back to it and answer it. And then the second way is leave a comment on one of our YouTube videos. Um, we don't do a ton of them because stuff takes time to test and uh, it's not cheap. So um, we put some effort into those and we do go back and uh, we don't write responses to every single one of them but most of the good ones we talk about or we make fun of you when you try to make fun of me because it's a one-way street here um you can't talk back right now it's good good for me uh so on our wr450 video brian morilla morilla says is this bike 
California Green Sticker compliant. It seems like it meets all the requirements, but I cannot find a 2019 that is green sticker. Well, Brian, you are right because the bike was built to be a green sticker compliant vehicle. And there were some changes going on with CARB, the California Air Resources Board. And then even though the bike technically meets all the standards, the Yamaha people looked at it and said, I don't know about that one. It's a little bit too close for our tastes and decided to make it red sticker. So you're not going to find a 2019 or 2020 or even a 21 Yamaha WR that's going to be sold as a green sticker bike. Uh, just that's just the way that they decided to do it. So um, that's the reasoning for that. And like I said, it comes as corked up as it needs to be to be a green sticker vehicle. And I think it has something to do with the evaporative emission system and the way that Yamaha guys interpreted the the regulations. And uh, when it's a what is it like a ten thousand dollar per unit fine or something ridiculous when you get caught for not being compliant, I don't think they want to um, suffer that. Uh, let's see. All right, where's all the all of the uh, questions on the tannery? Because uh, I see the CRF two fifty rally. Jim Schneider says I've never owned a dirt bike, but I'm a Goldwing rider. So not a novice on bikes by any means. Well, I get bored with this bike too quickly. <laughs> so I, I'm kind of sitting there. It's a two. It's a two sided question. You're going from a Goldwing, which has what 1600 cc motor, to something that has a 250 cc motor. The motor's probably not going to excite you when you get on the throttle and whack the throttle wide open. But that's not what this bike's about. This bike is about going and exploring. So you're talking about a guy who's ridden a, probably a lot of roads on road miles, and you're riding around, and you kind of run out of roads, especially on a Goldwing. I mean, there. I mean, you have to go along. You know, once you kind of get your area done, you have to go a long way to get to new roads. And sometimes that's boring. Well, guess how many dirt roads are probably in between where your new roads are and, you know, where you want to go. That bike will not get boring. Um, and we have a lot of people that come to our class and maybe their ego will not allow them to ride a bike that has a displacement under maybe 600 cc's. And they see all these, you know, in our class, there's a lot of guys on dirt bikes and they range from... 230 cc's up to 500 cc's, okay? 570. 570, yeah, I don't rent the Fusa But anyway, so so they see these bikes and we have put people that come off of a bike that were was maybe 1200 cc's onto a bike that had 250 cc's underneath it. But the seat cover for some reason said 600. I've told the story many times. <laughs> the guy got off that bike and he said, that thing's got pretty good power for a 600. You know, when he was talking about, he was riding a Suzuki DRZ 650 that has an XR600 seat cover on it, and he thought it had pretty good power for a 600. And it, it's funny, they, they go pretty good for little 250. So I wouldn't be I wouldn't be too concerned. I think, you know, if you haven't ridden off-road, it's a great way to get into it. Um, I mean, maybe better would be a KLR 650. I always say KLR 650 is a great way to start, and then you don't have to show up on a 250 and feel the wrath of the ego busters that are going, you only ride a 250, man. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Okay, here we're going to get into the uh, the Tenere questions now. Um, any questions up in the... Uh, let's see. This is for Jim Schneider on the, the Goldwing. Oh, you're pimping my school, George. Good for you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I'll put him on a two fifty in the class, and then if he if he if it doesn't have enough, then he can ride a bigger one, and it's almost like going for a test ride. Nice KTM shirt over here. Um, also, hey, you like my hat? This is a, a uh, fuck you racing hat. I can say that because I don't have a, a, a miner sitting next to me. Uh, if you're ever wondering where to get these, just uh, Google them. Uh, thanks, Jerry. The other um, uh, question. So Steve Olson says, so Sven Olson says, 2021 about the Yamaha Tenere. Uh, yes, Sven, Yamaha is releasing that bike here as an early release 2021. So that's what the bike uh, that we had was. Um, and then uh, Gregor Miller says, and I don't understand this, Cowboy Kent Rollins, you can't get full, you, you can't get full on fancy. Is that a song? I'm not into the country music. Man. George, you got that? You, you, um, Janie over here. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, maybe that's a song or something like that that we need to know something about. I was that joke was outside of my uh, outside of my uh, threshold for entertainment. Um, actually, George, these keep you know, keep working there. George, you keep keep working, George. You just you keep working really good there, George. Good, good, George. I give him. Um. The single biggest reason I opted out of buying a 700 Tenere is the lack of cruise control. That is a huge fail on Yamaha's part, says AJ Kinetic One. That's interesting, because if there was one thing that I really liked about the Honda Africa Twin that I'm riding now is cruise control. I mean, I like it when I'm riding on the road, but one thing I really like about the Yamaha is it's so stinking simple. Now they make those throttle lock cruise controls that you can buy and it's like a little flippy thing you can put on there and I, I suspect they would work. It kind of either clamps the grip or you know, does whatever. If you really want a cruise control, you can get it for about 40 bucks, I think, <laughs> you know, if, if you need it, but, uh, okay. And then Jimmy RGB says 2021 with two question marks. Um, yeah, it's a 2021. That's what I was told. That's what I'm pretty sure it said on the bike when I looked at the at the the VIN tag. So uh, Dante S550 10R80S says, "Great review. From what I gathered, pretty much everyone is in agreement about the suspension valving needed to be changed or fine tuned." Um, did I agree with that? Maybe suspension valving. I I said that if I I said. Because we're talking about like the fork diving, which is a mid-speed. In order to fix that, you would have to do it internally. You might be able to just add some air. You might be able to just add a little oil volume, and that might go away. Um, but I, it, I don't agree with everyone that's agreeing about ne the bike needing a revalve. I do do some clicker changes, and through my clicker changes, I don't think the bike needs a revalve. So with that one exception, and that's very specific... And if it changed anything else, I wouldn't change it. So, and that's the thing with revalving. I'm sure they're going to want to, you know, put some fancy colored things inside there and, and some different fork springs because obviously Yamaha couldn't get the fork spring rate, right? And they'll have a special oil that you can put in. And $1,000 later, you could probably have a fork that works almost as good as the stock one. Um, maybe, but I don't know. That's what, that's what testing's for. So find a good suspension tuner, not one that has good sales tactics. Sam... Toshner says, 
F9, which is, I think it's Fort 9, mentioned that the, the high, highly placement, the, the high placement of the countershaft on the motor creates an anti-jack effect on the rear wheel, essentially driving it downward into the ground. I wonder if that's the traction control that Heather is talking about in the video. So I watched the Fortnite video, by the way, because I heard somebody say something about this guy. He's a he's a trained physicist, and he. So I watched it, and it makes no sense to me. Um, not that I understand physics by any means, but I do understand the placement of the countershaft sprocket in relation to the swing arm. Now, swing arm pivot and swing arm. Yes. And distance, distance, distance. Yeah. So distance, position. Ride height, there's a ton of stuff in there that, that all makes a difference. And I know a lot about this for one very important reason. I was one of the few people that rode one of Horse Lightner's ATK motorcycles. So go ahead and do some research. ATK, they had their, one of his first products was a chain torque eliminator. <laughs> and so essentially he tried to build a parallelogram to run the chain parallel with the the height of the sprocket so it didn't have as much of an effect on the 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 bump compliance of the motorcycle so so he basically had this thing you bolted onto your swing arm so as your swing arm moved it kept the chain in constant tension so there's no slack in the chain and it also uh pivoted it it adjusted so it would pivot it kind of around the swing arm pivot so it, it centered on it but he also moved it around and i was just a kid I thought I was going to be an engineer, but I couldn't remember formulas and calculus. And I talked to him at length about how it worked and why it worked and what it did. And, and horses are really interesting engineer to the nth degree, but very practical. And he he spent a lot of time explaining to me what it would do and how he was moving it. And, and it was funny because I was also interested because I was also building an XR80 in my garage that had a swing arm pivot or had a, that, that had a countershaft sprocket that was way too far inbound to get it close enough to the countershaft to fit it in a lot of the frames we were trying to stuff that motor in kx80 frames cr80 frames so i was having a problem with the chain jumping on the sprocket when because you know wherever you put the motor it was hard to keep that chain tension on the sprocket and it would actually start jumping links so i was asking him about hey would this system work and he's like well you know it was revolved a lot of it was a lot of moving and cutting and welding and doing stuff. And so technically no, it wouldn't work. And the eight track ATK, eight track chain torque system also robbed power. So it, it, it was in, and I remember horse telling me he thought it was somewhere around 10%. So I, I, I think it might've been a little bit more just because of the way that, that it, that it worked, but he was working with big engines and I was working on something that maybe had 11 horsepower in a good day. So I couldn't afford to rob power off this thing. And so I developed something that was actually different that had a that had a fixed mount roller on the top that was fixed to the swing arm and one on the bottom that was fixed to the to the frame that kept the chain torque constant. And it actually worked. It worked kind of like horse did where under acceleration that bike had great suspension movement, really good free suspension movement. The problem with it is when you land it off of a jump and you're over jumping something, when you gas the motorcycle, you don't get the chain torque to come into play into help, you know, help resist bottoming. 
And this is where it gets kind of confusing. And this is where the guy at Fort Nine uh, was talking about, you know, where it's positioned and stuff. So, so on that Yamaha, it's a little bit farther than most bikes. So it's it's the the distance from the swing arm pivot to the counter shaft sprocket is a little bit long, and it is a little bit higher. But I don't think that those two positions are enough to cause the bike to pull itself down. In fact, I don't think in theory, and this is where you have to start thinking about like what it does in theory. Correct. It would actually pull it. It would jack the swing arm downwards. Right. And it, but it, it does the opposite on deceleration. Right. When, 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 when you roll off the throttle it would cause the, it would cause the bike to squat. We're talking about this traction control, which happens on kind of acceleration. I believe it's a character of the motor. It's absolutely just a characteristic of the motor. And I've heard, I've heard people talk about this uh, with that motor, even on road, um, just some of the stuff that it does the way it, you know, just the way it hooks up, especially when you're really pushing it. Like, you know, when you're, when you're riding the bike aggressively and you start losing traction in a turn on the rear, and and they say you know just it just really hooks up. So I don't think that that swing arm pivot position countershaft stuff. Like, why do you listen to all this stuff? <laughs> like, did you really want to have a discussion on swing arm pivot location? That's why this 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 bike setup and handling and chassis you know ride height is all so critical. And 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 a lot of people just kind of did you check your ride height. That's the first thing you ask when the bike's not working. You just you sag. You know you ride height. You sag. Um, uh, yeah, uh, um, no, what, what's that? <laughs> like, okay. Well, that's okay. That's your problem. You don't need to send the suspension off just yet. So I think, um, I think he does very entertaining videos and we'll leave it at that. <laughs> He's actually contacted me before to get information about motorcycles, believe it or not. He, he, he reached out to me. And then when I kind of, and I, when I kind of yep. noticed that, he was paying attention to some of the information that we were delivering in our videos and then kind of regurgitating it over on his side. Um, and then when he wanted, so he wanted to get some photos cause he didn't have photos of some stuff that I had photos of. And he asked if I could have the photos. I said, yeah, can you credit dirt bike tests? And all of a sudden it kind of went, yeah. went a little silent. <laughs> so uh, entertaining videos over there on Fortnite. I would, uh, I would watch some of them. I do watch some of them. Um, I wish I had that level of production quality. But I can't even figure out how to plug the damn USB cord into the back of the soundboard. A little way. Um, Michael L. Colva Ichio, Ichio asks, what tires did you run on the bike? Uh, I put Kenda big blocks on our Tenere 700. NY Dirt Riders says, great video as always, Jimmy. I'm sold. I can't wait to pick one up. I just sold another bike. See, I should be a salesman, get uh, commissions. Um, great. I give your reviews the triple credit versus other folks. I've only sat on the T7, but I'm really considering getting this bike. My Africa twin inf infatuation may be over. Eh, I can see that. Triple credits. Is that is that like is that like three thumbs is up and you only have two hands or something? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Two thumbs and a foot. Two thumbs and a foot. Yeah. Uh, thanks. Thanks. Uh, rocket rolls. Uh, yeah, we, we try to, you know, try to put good information in there and make them so you can watch them unlike this. <laughs> Salt Boda uh, says, 
And this is about our Tenere video. And the Tenere video, if you haven't watched it, George posted a link up in the thing. It's on the YouTube. So you just search uh, Dirt Bike Test, Yamaha Tenere 700, you'll get it. it. says, let him finish his sentences at least a few times. Come on. Uh, so I was kind of curious because he's talking to my wife like that. <laughs> but the funny thing is, I feel like I cut her off. So I actually replied back to him and I said, did you mean to say let her finish her sentences? <laughs> so, uh, Zolt, man, you, you you probably keep control of your women's back there wherever wherever Zolt Boda is from. <laughs> yeah, I, I should. I actually wanted to have her sitting on a chair behind me, and and you know, like a few feet back, you know, for social distancing, of course. Um, Mikey B, oh, I'm gonna have to have a sip for this one. Hold on a second. Mm. Yeah, thanks, uh, Bob. Marketing aids. Um, Mikey B says, why do you guys wear climb? The stuff is made in China. No. Okay. <laughs> that's what I said. They, they have some stuff that's made in China. Oh, they do? I'm sure they do. I, I, their that's stuff, is, their stuff is made on. all over. It's all over the world. Oh. I have stuff that says, like, I've, I've seen things that say, like, Indonesia. I said stuff that says, like, Philippines. I mean, I, you know, I wear a lot of different stuff. Um, yeah. Vietnam, yeah, yeah. Hey, um, uh, I wear climb because it's really good gear, number one, and I also wear climb because they support this operation. Uh, they they were one of our early adopters, they helped us out, and and I'm glad because I like wearing the stuff, it's good, it's good gear. Um, uh, and they sponsor like little promotional things we have, like they, we're going to give away a climb, um, aggressor vest tonight. Uh, to one of the uh, one of the best uh, videos that we had for our show, climb your junk. So why do we wear it? Um, wait, isn't this a Yamaha video that you're commenting on? You shouldn't be worried about what I'm wearing. You should be worried about the information I'm given on the bike. I should throw a climb ad in there or something. I just did. <laughs> uh, Alan Huling Huling says, "Great review, guys. Appreciate getting the perspectives from each of you." At just over six feet, I definitely get the wind buffeting on my T7. With the standard seat, RallyRaid makes a screen nine centimeters taller. What's a centimeter? I may have to check it out. And ProCycle US sells case covers for the engine made by RNG. I know the Aussies are using them and saying good things. Um, well, thanks, Alan. Thanks for info on that. Um, the the and I'll get to the <laughs> buffering <laughs> in a little while. Uh, the buffeting. Does uh, somebody else brought that up? But yeah, there's uh, there's a lot of countries have had this bike for a little bit longer, and they have a little bit more time on it. And we were just riding the bike stock, other than the seat. I wanted a taller seat because um, uh, I would like my legs to not be folded up like tent sticks, even though I'm small. Um, and uh, yeah, so uh, keep them coming. Uh, Moto Catfish, Moto Catfish says, great review. I want to hear Heather's review of every ADV bike you all test. You do. <laughs> I'm sure she'll be glad to hear that. I had to, yeah, I, yeah, I had to be mean to her to make her do that one, right? <laughs> I mean, she, she didn't want to, she, she just wasn't, she just wasn't, uh, she, she kind of wanted to do it and she kind of didn't want to do it. She's like, well, what am I going to say? And I'll get into it a little bit more. 
Of all the T7 reviews I've seen, says Randy Van Steen, this is the best, including Heather's perspective, is an excellent idea. One suggestion, add maybe a five-minute segment where Heather is on her own, giving her impressions from the woman's rider point of view. In this segment, have the bike out in the dirt with only Heather on camera, giving her uninterrupted viewpoints, maybe pointing to different parts of the bike and including some B-roll of her riding the machine. Well, and what about me? I mean, like, it's like, that's, that's like, that's, that's like, that's like, oh, in a bikini. It didn't say that. Did you read that into there, Randy? Um, so, uh, well, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I, I'll, I'll take that into consideration. You want some uh, five-minute videos of my wife. <laughs> um, it, well, just just uh, to the point, most of the video footage on that is Heather riding the bike. Um, it's there's a little bit of me when when you want something crazy like riding over a rock or pitch it into a two-wheel drift slide, uh, but most of that is actually Heather. So, um, but you want her uninterrupted. That's strange. Um, I'll, I'll talk to her about that. See what we got. <laughs> Kenneth Wolf. Um, that was an awesome review. You guys need to work on tossing the conversation back and forth rather than talking over each other. Let her develop her thoughts again. Again, really good job, you two. Uh, 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 let her talk. You, you know, I'm going on like, 45 minutes of talking here by myself and I don't need a co-host Logan. Um, so, <laughs> well, you know, we're married. I mean, like it's, it's strange that we can actually sit there and have a conversation to, let alone talk about motorcycles. Uh, hey, Kenneth, thanks a lot for the comment. No, we, it was so funny when we got, when we got done with that, now I'm going to read a couple more of these comments. <laughs> Steve says, wish you would let her talk more. <laughs> Uh, here, I'm going to have a moment of silence for Heather right now. Just hold on. Uh, it gets thirsty talking about yourself all the time. Uh, Steve Byron uh, says, and uh, this is all information about the uh, Tenere 700, if you were wondering, on this uh, show today uh, brought to you by KTM. Um, to have Jimmy comment in such de detail one of my dakar heroes is exponentially beneficial beneficial oh, thanks thank now we're on <laughs> to get miss lewis's input is also extremely valuable good job one of the best evals out there keep up the great work okay steve that's a i'm giving you a thumbs up because you, you threw in my resume there you gave me some props uh juan ito says no try tensor el degzigranio de Caria in afroad se u salir mal por Yamaha. I think that's in uh, Spanish of some sort. And it's a Latin language, I can tell that. And I don't know what he said, but poor bad Yamaha. So good thing we can't understand it. But somebody will translate in the. Actually, you know. Google does a like on the podcast a lot of times when you watch it on Facebook, it actually does the uh, closed captions. So we'll see how it does with that. <laughs> uh, Jimmy Patchett uh, says, absolutely agree. The suspension is not as bad as some people say. However, 
It could be made much better without too much cost. Okay, I'm all yours. Low cost suspension mods. This is Jimmy right here. I'm 105 kilograms. Uh, so that's uh, uh, 6.6. No, that's that's when I convert okay. mileage. Uh, okay, without gear. And by the time I load my 15 kilograms, that's like 3.32 there, uh, of luggage with the standard bike will already go well into its suspension stroke front and rear, rider sag, before you ask it to soak up any bumps. You are correct, um, especially if you have the stock preload on the rear shock. In fact, most of the time when I was riding R10, I had the preload cranked up. And this is something I do on almost all adventure bikes. I don't actually measure my ride height very often on adventure bikes because they're so heavy. I want to get as much stroke, shock stroke as I can, so I run the preload rather high. Anyways, a slightly heavier spring, 95 newton, 95 uh, Newtons per millimeter. That's another one of those um, uh, British types of, uh, not even British, it's a uh, well, metric. European standard. Yeah, European standard. Uh, and a set of preload fork caps from my from Rally Raid improve the off-road and on-road performance a lot. Great review, guys. I like my T7 a lot. I like I like it too. Um, I think, and there was, there was some questions, some um, uh, comments back and forth on this comment. I think the, 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 the U.S. bike has a stiffer shock spring and maybe stiffer fork springs. I'm not sure. I think the shock spring is stiffer in the U.S. from what I understand. That's because we make them bigger here. And uh, uh, so good. Um, I think, um, you know, if I were any heavier, I would definitely start thinking about in riding it loaded. We rode it with probably 40 pounds. So. That's two kilograms more than you had on your bike uh, in our luggage when we rode it. And it did okay, but then Heather's probably a few kilograms less than me. So, uh, Re Renee Izaguri uh, asks, were you going to review the 2020 Africa Adventure Sports ES? Um, yeah, I was. I am. I'm working on it. Not in the Yamaha review, though. <laughs> so um uh let's see Berticus Maximus says good video just one OCD thing for me buffering is what videos do buffeting is what wind does <laughs> Bob do you agree yes. you, did, did, did we say buffering in the video I haven't watched it you haven't watched it oh, all that work and nobody watches it mm -hmm. and actually a lot of people watch it it's like it's it's good yeah well they well um don tortellini don tortellini three says narrow seat the t7 feels like a horse i really don't share your opinion at all concerning this point compared to the africa twin 1000 less suspension travel and less ground clearance but higher and wider seat it feels way higher in a negative way for me and he's 175 centimeters tall. The Africa Twin is so narrow, almost like a dirt bike. Except the huge power difference, it did not feel much bigger on-road than my WR250R. And he's not kidding. So he has a Yamaha, so he's not a Yamaha hater, but he seems to have an Africa Twin that he really likes. And he has he has a point, actually. Um, the The... And I know this just because I'm riding a Honda now. The Honda gets really narrow right by the foot pegs, right in the, at, the, at the front part of the seat. 
um, almost too narrow. And and the Yamaha doesn't get too narrow, but it is narrower than, let's say, a KTM. So um, there's just differences. And it kind of depends on where you sit and where you stand and how you stand and all different kinds of things like that on how you feel a bike is. I, I actually feel like the Yamaha feels much like a dirt bike, just in where you can grab it, how you can hang on to it, where you contact the bike. Where the Honda, to me, it feels really narrow, like he's saying. But the minute you start moving around, it gets kind of wide, kind of quick. Um, uh, kind of more so kind of in my butt cheeks, you know, when I slide backwards on the seat, the seat gets big, which is kind of good for um, when you're sitting down. You know, that, that, that's a good thing. But uh, no, uh, I, I tend to agree with you. So even though you don't agree with me, <laughs> I don't think the Yamaha, I think Yamaha is narrow. Um, Daniel Mos Mosher says, I really like the input from your wife. You guys are pretty awesome. <laughs> Heather's winning this video. <laughs> uh, Joe Craig. Wow, great review. I had an FC07, so I know how good that engine is. I get tired of adventure bike reviews by motocross riders. Ride your motocross bike across the country or counties or country on and off pavement. Then let's talk. Thanks. So Joe Craig doesn't like motocrossers. <laughs> so I ride everything. I'm a motocross. I'm going to be a motocrosser on Thursday. I'm going to the track. I'm going to ride a brand new KX450. Where? Glen Helen. Glen Helen. So, oh, God. Yeah. This heat? Oh, yeah. It's not that hot. It's, it's way cooler it is down there than it is here. At least there's smog in the air down there. <laughs> Jimmy Lundberg uh, says, this brings to mind the brilliant quote, Jack of all trades, master of none, though sometimes better than a master of one. Uh, I, like I think he's talking about the Yamaha Tenere, which is uh, sounds pretty good. I agree. Uh, the Flying Pumpkin 185 says, great job. As far as maintenance is concerned, how difficult is it to access the air filter, gear oil change, etc.? How is the airbox design? I've had my fill of the orange brand's airbox designs. Um, you know, I can't answer that question because we were not given the bike long enough to need to go into the air filter. I think, did I do it? Did I open it up and look at it? I don't remember. It's been a while. Um, and I'm not supposed to compare it. Like I'm not yet supposed to compare it to other bikes because all the other whiny journalists that are still waiting to get time on that bike uh, are trying to prevent that. But um, I, I think maintenance wise, it's going to be, you know, I don't know. It's not, it's not going to be as, as, good, as easy as a KTM 390. I'll tell you that right now. Pop the seat and six little bolts and thing cover comes right off. I know that because we just put a power up kit on our KTM 390. And it included a new airbox cover that has like vents in it. So it and an ECU and it's supposed to go fast. And uh, it actually did go fast, but it had a problem with starting. <laughs> so, um, uh, so working on that. Um, so like most keyboard warriors, I didn't just go to the keyboard and like start talking about how, what a, this, this is crap. It's like, I went back to the manufacturer and said, Hey, what did I do wrong? Like, why is this an issue? And uh, so they did some checking and, there may be an issue. So we're looking into it. That's why we call it dirt bike test, not dirt bike thrash. <laughs> dirt bike bolt on and thrash. Um, uh, somebody says, this is a family show, no butt cheeks. What are they talking about? 
<laughs> you were talking about the wider seat. Oh, the wider seat. Yeah, there's no kids in the in the in the studio today. We can talk about jokes. I don't care. Uh, actually, I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to get some intern kids from the local school to come in and help edit this stuff. So we're gonna have to keep that we're gonna have to keep that on the you know on the down low. Uh, you know, no, yeah, it's, it is, it is for, it's, it's an all age show. You know, your parents talk like this every once in a while. Your parents have a tequila every once in a while. Kids deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not, I'm not your, I'll take that. I'm not your parents. Um, so flying pumpkin, when I get that bike for longer term, I will explain and tell you all of that kind of stuff. I know the maintenance intervals are pretty long in that bike. And, um, you know, if you don't ride in the dust, I don't ride in the dust, then you don't have to ever clean the air filter. <laughs> so, uh, there's uh, no dust out here. Yeah, there's no dust out here. Well, you can make your own dust. Um, Taylor C4 says, great, honest reviews, as always. Having Heather's input is a fresh, unbiased perspective that is lacking in typical journo speak. I actually love your genius. Is that my genius or her genius? My, I hope it's mine. Fluff free candor and that you are not pimping a test rider's comments as your own. This is how Moto's re review should be. This bike is looking like it will be a huge hit for Yamaha, and I think they will sell a pile of them. As much as the Honda guys want a new XR650R, the T700 should be everyone's target bike. A $10,000 dirt bike feel, layout, enough power, enough suspension, dial handling. I'll be keeping my out my eyes out for one of these used on the market when I'm ready to add an ADV bike to the stable in a year or two. Uh, if 10,000, just it's go get a new one. <laughs> just finance it. Right. I never say that. Um, uh, for Ceylon says great review. Sound is much better than on some other videos or some other videos that I made. Of course. <laughs> We're not sound experts here. We're just trying to convey uh, a little bit of information. But thanks for the thanks for the, the ups. I hope the sound quality tonight is uh, half as good as it, it usually is. Um, so uh, Craig Albert says super easy air filter on the Yamaha Tenere. That's coming in from the uh, chat room form right now. So Muck Dog says congrats for a spot on real life review of this bike. I have had mine for a year now and agree with all you said there. That's good. I'm glad I'm glad that somebody that's had the bike for a while, so in other words, somebody in another country that got it way earlier, um, agrees with what we said in after we had the bike for a week because sometimes um, you learn things over time. Far too many wannabe Dakar pilots out there criticizing this bike, especially the suspension, even without ever having sat on it. <laughs> Preferably good for the vast majority of riders. Adjust it. I also changed the pegs for bigger pivot pegs. Uh, I like the bigger part. The pivot pegs, I'm going to have to say those aren't for me. Um, but uh, massive improvement. Brake lever is a bit short for clunky boots. That clutch lever cover, I just removed it. It was annoying. And... Although practical to have the toggle switch for the display, it is on the wrong side. Every time you use it on the move, it affects your throttle position. See, they should have put the, the cruise control on it. Then you could toggle away. Um, better to use the dash button with your left. Being far from perfect, but for what it is, every time I come back from a ride on or off-road, I get off the T700, step back, and smile at it. If it wasn't 
If it weren't so embarrassing, I would give it a big hug. Hug. <laughs> Bravo to Yamaha. I think Valentino Rossi has a technique for that. He 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 kind of sh- gives his foot peg a shake. You ever notice that? Maybe you could you could do that. He kind of squats down to his bike and touches the foot peg, does something. He's praying. I know he's praying. <laughs> praying to his bike. Yeah. And the ABS stays off when you stall the bike. It only resets when the ignition is turned off. Yes, that's uh, correct. Even though I sounded confused when I couldn't remember in the video how it worked because I was probably riding some other bike 10 minutes before that and I get too many bikes. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to have a another... Oh, boy, this one, huh? Yeah. <laughs> hmm You know, we just read them the way they come here. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't... There's not a lot of editing going on in this, and I'm not afraid to take the heat when the heat comes. Mm-hmm. Peace X through X Music says, gray hair, baseball hat, and climb shirt. Code for we will learn nothing new. <laughs> <laughs> Heather, on the other hand... It's nice to have a press, fresh, fresh, fresh perspective once in a while. Less choir preaching, please. Your audience is already self-selecting and educated. Uh, I don't know what. To, I don't know. Is that a compliment? Is that a slam? Is he jealous? He's he, jealous. He says you're too preachy. He's je- preachy about what? I don't know. Yeah, preachy because I have a climb shirt on. Climb makes really awesome motorcycle gear. You can get your Climb gear at Climb.com. Try to do that on the fly next time That's publicly. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, but then wait a minute. Hold on. Kevin Roberts shoots back. Jimmy, what? Jimmy Lewis has raced the Dakar Rally many times. Well, three and a half to be exact. In his prime, one of America's best off-road racers. But a ball cap and a climb shirt, and now he knows nothing. He's forgot more about riding, racing, off-road than you will ever know. Oops, you're educated. (laughs) What? I just read it. I didn't. Thanks, guy. Thanks, Kevin. (laughs) I almost forgot I raced Dakar. Um, I'm not a Dakar wannabe racer. I am not that. I promise you I'm not a Dakar wannabe racer. I wanted to be a Dakar racer, and when I wanted to be, I did everything in my power to go be one. So it was a lot of work. Ask me about that sometime. Uh, Stefan Carroza says, no mention of how the bike stops either with ABS or he says ABA with ABS or not. How are the brakes? Well, Stefan, you got us. (laughs) Um, when we're doing these videos, it's pretty much, there's no script. Sometimes I write some little notes down on a, on a, on a whiteboard and we just kind of kind of break through, uh, breakthrough stuff. See, trying trying to concentrate here. The brakes are actually really good on that bike. I don't want to say that they're that they're 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 just good. They're not great. They're not maybe not as grabby as some and they're not as strong as some, but they're just they're just average. And the ABS works good. It's not the top, especially with some of the new I've been doing some really stupid stuff on the Honda Africa Twin with their because they have lean angle ABS in it, and so I've been doing really dumb things to to see how good it really is, and it's really really good. Um, so, but so the the Yamaha ABS is just average. It's it's the and the brakes are just average. But for most people, they're more than you'll ever need or use. Uh, let's just put it that way. I mean, until you get to being a high level, I mean. I feel like I'm pretty high level rider as some of the guys before mentioned. And uh, I didn't find any problems with the brakes. 
Um, they weren't too strong, weren't too, too weak. We didn't overheat them. The bike slowed down when it needed to. ABS worked good when we had it on. It worked uh, awesome when we had it off because the rider takes control. So, um, A7, thanks for uh, calling us out on that. I'll try to talk more about brakes next time because, in all honesty, brakes are just as important as power. Because you want to know how I teach people to go faster when I'm doing riding schools? Go slower. Well, there's number one is slow down to go faster. And number two is you can spend a lot of money putting motor, power, all that stuff, new tires and stuff. But even when you don't have a new tire, the braking edge in most people's tires is still really sharp. I'll brake somebody. Learn how to slow down quicker, more efficiently. And uh, yeah, so that's why I can ride faster than you because I can outbrake you. And I still, to this day, I will challenge anybody to a braking contest. I just want to be on the inside. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Kevin Lemony tells the tells um, uh, X Music X Factor pointless comment. Lay off the Adderall, pal. <laughs> Adderall. Don't you usually smoke weed before you make comments like that? That's what my friends that used to get lippy used to do. They used to take a big old bong rip and then they tell you what they really thought. <laughs> Not that I cared or, or actually any of it sunk in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just tell, I just told you bong ripping is stupid. I don't think it's, I mean, I don't think, I mean, in my world, it, it, I, I like to be hyper. Okay, I like to be, you know, and, and that made people mellow and lazy and all this other stuff. But, you know, hey, for each your own. It's not a, it's not a drug use show. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a life skills show either, by the way. Uh, here, let me have another sip of tequila. <laughs> don't try this at home. Yeah, don't do this at home. Uh, <laughs> yeah, thanks, Kevin. Thank, I, you know, I, I, it's funny because... When you when you're a journalist, you kind of open yourself up to a lot of public ridicule. And and when I was at Cycle World, I was a little bit sheltered from it um, because I had a really good staff around me, and they they kept me from doing stupid things a lot of times when I probably could have done a lot of stupid things. And then by the time I thought I knew everything and I moved over to Dirt Rider, I was a big target. I had a big target on my back uh, just because yeah, people have differing opinions, and that's all it is is a differing opinion. People just start taking shots at you. But then I had a lot of experience in learning how to kind of tame these things down. And when I say something, I'm generally, yeah, I don't really say it unless I think it's right. Yeah, I don't don't just spout something off like a lot of these keyboard jockeys do or people that want to send, you know, that, that do stuff like that. They're, you know, trolls. They're trying to poke at you. And, and then when they start trying to dissect you and break you apart and like, you don't know what you're talking about. It's like, well, no, I do. That's why I'm talking about it. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm doing this. Yeah, I raced for a long time on a lot of different bikes, a lot of different types of racing. And, and that that in itself is one thing. But then I also know how to work on these bikes. I spend a lot of time working on the mechanical aspect of them, figure out how they how to how to how to make them better, how to repair them, how to how to do it on the cheap, how to get all the free shit in the world and have it thrown at you and bolted on. I've done I've done it all. And so I have some experience there. And even when we, you know, go go farther than that, I can explain how things work, and and I talk to people that are. When I have a question, I don't understand it. I find an expert in that field, someone who's educated, who has experience, who who is trusted. And when I don't know, I go to that person. Luckily, because of what I do, I have access to a lot of these people, whether they're working for a manufacturer or a company or just some guy in his garage that's really really sharp, or somebody outside of the 
industry. I used to bob egg. You were in the aviation world. Maybe. Me? Yeah, something like that. Was Composite. That was? was that what it was? Oh, you're a pimp. That's right. I forgot. So anyways, I used to ask you questions because you could go find some really sharp engineer that yeah. didn't know a thing about motorcycles, but he could analyze whatever it was that we were talking about, and then he'd give me some goo boo boo like that, and I'd take my commonsensical thing and look at it and then I was like okay that makes sense or that doesn't make sense and I need to rethink my position because what I was thinking was completely wrong like we I, I would if that swing arm pivot had come up that we were talking about earlier you knew somebody you could go ask and they would sure. give you a very definite answer based on the phys physics and probably start throwing some numbers at you and draw some charts and diagrams and I think that guy in that video does that he tries to draw diagrams but the diagrams don't make sense <laughs> I mean, not in my world, not from what I know. But anyhow, uh, where, where do we where do we start with this? Where do we get going? But anyway, so so um, yeah, go ahead and go ahead and just go ahead and be a troll. I don't care. Um, but I I luckily have a lot of background in this, and that's why I'm doing. I'm kind of doing a little bit as a public service, and a little bit because I enjoy talking about this stuff. Because when I do get something wrong, and I do a lot, and I don't understand something, or I just say something that's wrong, people will tell me. And by the mistake, I learned something. So here's the life lesson. When you make a mistake, as long as you're not being doing too much stupid stuff, but when you make a mistake, don't get pissed off and bummed out and, and distracted by it. Learn from it. It's like that's what you, it's a lesson. And, and if you learn from it, you don't make that mistake again. That was a valuable lesson that you learned and it'll make you better the next time. Huh, um, okay. Uh, I gotta go. So this should be um, uh, two tool. Tool Todd says they should do a second part. They're talking about our Tenere Seven Hundred video again. Talking about me and Heather. They should do a second part and let her do more talking and speak on her comparison with having ridden other ADV bikes. Okay, we couldn't do that. Like I said, we can't compare it to other ADV bikes. Not supposed to. I've had to go to the Husky camp because the T7 didn't come out when I was ready to buy. Husky doesn't make anything that's even comparable to that, but maybe, oh, maybe the 701. I guess they're 700s. Uh, you only got one cylinder. <laughs> um, looking at a bigger ADV bike now, and the lure of orange or the Tiger 900 Rally keeps making me overlook this great, simple machine. Um, yeah. There's a lot of lures out there. There's a lot of good bikes. That's what's awesome about this uh, this sport this time right now. Restless Soul says, take a look at Yamaha T7 upgraded OEM shock spring for $100 for your total weight, including luggage. Yamaha T7 forks preload caps, $270. I believe these may be uh, other currencies. These two mods can increase suspension performance without shelling out big bucks. I would advise to use nylon M6 screws to replace both the OEM steel screws and the outside of the lower fork fender mountings. If you hit something, the screws will break without harming the front fork. A couple of cents saving you big money. You can get all these from Rally Raid. So um, Restless Soul has some connection to Rally Raid. Uh, good info. Um, if you're a Yamaha guy, I think they do make a lot of stuff. So he's talking about that whole front fender assembly flexing on the um, on the uh, forks and the bolt snapping off. I guess that must be some sort of a known issue that they know about. Or uh, I, I wouldn't want that that 
front fender to break off uh, easily because it could get locked up. I don't like having my front wheel lock up uh, unexpectedly. So um, uh, choose your poison. Uh, so that's it for our Tenerate video. So I think the take back from that is I'm going to retire and Heather is doing all of the, all of the, the videos from now on. She'll be next week on Tech Talk Taco Tuesday. We'll have Heather Lewis here uh, answering all your questions. Uh, she'll have a five minute segment where I won't say anything. And, uh, but in, in reality, so like well, I started talking earlier, um, and she even says in the video, she's like, I'm not an expert at, on motorcycle stuff. Well, she kind of is. She was actually BMW's woman's rider advocate for a long time. She used to go to the shows and talk to women about riding big adventure bikes because she did it and she was good at it and just to get them a little, uh, oh, something came up in the chat room this morning. Um, so, so she would just get them comfortable. So she is kind of an expert. She's just not into the technical stuff. It's not, if you want to know technical stuff about a camera, ask Heather. I should actually, no, she doesn't know about wires and electronics. She knows about shutter speeds and apertures and pretty pictures and scenes. Um, follow her on uh, Instagram at lewishadventure.com uh, slash backslash. I don't know. Buy a picture and support our adventure riding habit. I don't know. Are we going to ride around the world next time? But anyway, so so I uh, when we're doing that, she's like, hey, just kind of like, you know, she told me to like lead her on when we start talking about stuff. I'm like, just let me talk about the technical stuff and then you tell me, I basically say, just tell me the stuff you told me when we were out riding. Cause she would say the, she would say exactly what she felt. But like when you're called on, on camera, you're called like, okay, say it now. And there's like, and like, like with the forks, like she right away noticed that little bit of fork dive that I was talking about when she was getting on the brakes. She said, man, suspension is great. But it like, when I get on the brakes, it's, it's springy. And I'm like, uh, yeah, that's, that's the, we got to remember to talk about that in the video. That's like the only complaint I have with suspension. So I, I did some coaching with her and then I cut her off and then we bickered like husband and wife. So get over it. And and if, if you guys keep liking her, I'm never bringing her back. I, it's like, and we're not going to do a five minute video where there's just her riding around. Actually, oh, she'll hate me for this. I think someplace on YouTube, you can find about five minutes of her riding around because there was something for a, uh, like the BMW GS riders challenge. They wanted to have a woman's team and Heather said, I should, maybe try that. So we shot video of her and uploaded it. You had, had to do it. I mean, that was part of the competition to get in. And she said, I'll try it. So so there, there's five minutes of her riding around in a BMW someplace. Um, search that out. Um, I don't want to go back and read the 17 people or all your names again. <laughs> um, hey, it's Tour of Idaho season coming up. Uh, that's uh, Martin Hackworth's uh, Tour of Idaho. It's a, basically a dual sport ride across uh, from south to north or north to south if you decide to do it uh, across Idaho. Uh, I did a video on it and Joshua Gorilla Hands, that's his real name, it says so right here, I just listened to a podcast today about the Tour of Idaho. I had never heard of it. Amazing video. I am stoked and this is on the bucket list. Well, thanks, Josh. If you want to get excited about doing some off-road riding, like dual sport riding, uh, my Tour of Idaho video is pretty good and Heather's not, not in it. Not doesn't even make a guest appearance, but she did let me go do it, which is good. Good wife. Um, so the tour of Idaho season, I guess they're just getting started. I mean, just the snow in the passes has just started melting. And of course, down low, now they're having fires too. So you're dodging fires and ice. You know, it's what you do on the tour of Idaho. Yeah. And just going. Yeah. yeah. When's he starting? Yeah. 
this year? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I know he's starting this year. I heard he tried to do day one and didn't. And one of his buddies came in um, and sat on the show. We did a we did a, we did a Tech Talk Taco Tuesday. We did a Wayne, tour of Idaho. Wayne, yeah, Wayne Brian came Wayne, yeah. and asked me tour of Idaho questions live. On, was August, yeah, yeah uh, that's. I think it's better to go a little bit later um, than early. Like early, you end up kind of cutting some of your own law. I went early. I was the first one on the trail that year. Well, not really because there were some guys that weren't quite official that were sort of doing it. And uh, um, I wish I would have waited like three or four days to let somebody else saw all those logs by hand. <laughs> those ones that are about like, you know, waist high, they're just a lodge pool that fell across the trail. And when you get like 10 of those in a day and you're just like, I don't like sawing it. Um, who asked this question? Um, on the KTM 390, Andrew 494 says, what is the point of adventure bike an adventure-style bike, if it doesn't sit well on the highway, might as well just get a dual sport. So this bike, the 390, and when you say sit well on the highway, I think you're talking about a sitting riding position or just doesn't no, go down the highway. Works on the highway. It works great on the highway. Yeah. Well, yeah, Janie knows. Janie, Janie's a Harley rider, and she actually liked the KTM 390 yeah. for riding on the highway. Um. Uh. Might as well get a dual sport. Um, I, I wonder if you're talking. I wonder if he's talking about engine size. You know, maybe the three ninety. That thing was going. It goes ninety miles an hour. It was fine. Hey, you oh, want to see something really dumb? Speaking of what Jimmy does, check our check dirt bike test Instagram feed. You might be able to get it for a few more hours on the story. Uh, there, I've got an episode of I've got you in my pocket, and uh, you can see what an Africa twin does. I I know where its uh, speed limit is. Um, uh, speaking of but going going down the road, Heather. well, I told her. Yeah. yeah. Um, she didn't like that. She thinks it's crazy going 125 miles an hour, but I don't. It's normal. I thought you said 140. No, it did not go 140. Oh, oh. It does not go 140. Okay. It will not go 140. If it could, I would do it. Um, Roman Udlin says, I would rather see, instead of all the beep electronics, 21 and 18 inch spoked wheel set. Uh, Roman, I, I agree with you on some aspects, but I think, you know, the, the, they're, the, to keep the price down to that 390 and everything, I'm trying to get an 18 and 21 inch wheel set. And we heard through the grapevine that the, the Husqvarna built pin, smart pin, built pin, the one with the spoke yeah. wheels, those wheels cross over. Yeah. Rumor. Rumor mill, we're getting it verified right now, but that's what I heard. So I'm trying to get, I'm just trying to get the hubs because I'm going to have a, a good company build up a set of a set of good wheels for that bike because we're doing a, a project bike on it. I've got some um, double take mirrors coming for it. I have that power up kit that I mentioned earlier that we're working on, Rottweiler Performance. Yeah, uh, that Chris said my shirt was really nice. Rottweiler Performance has some nice little bits that we're going to get for it. They're all addressing needs. Um, and uh, and then I'll have Heather ride it and, and, and do, the, do the video. I'll do all the work on it. And then it's like the factory rider. She is going to hop on it and just go test. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I had the bike test. Uh, yeah. So people are already asking, like, what's Heather's perspective on that? <laughs> um, let's see. Z Shark is talking about our YZ125X video. This is a bike Logan needs to review. And he puts a little happy face. Please get your hands on a YZ250X. 
Jimmy. Would like to hear your thoughts on the 125X's bigger brother. Well, the good thing is I can tell you about that on dirtbiketest.com. That's the website that we run that kind of the anchor point for all this stuff. We do have a test on that bike that's up there and you can see exactly what I think about that bike because it exactly hasn't changed since its introduction. Um, it's the same. I mean, they might've done some graphics and stuff like that. So, uh, never be afraid to go to dirtbiketest.com and search stuff there. Um, comment on our videos, things like that. And roll back to episode 67. Greg T says, there was a question about district 37 racing on this episode. He says, I'm not in a club, but every time I go to race with my kids, I am impressed with the courses they set up for us. I feel District 37 clubs are kicking. Posterior. Yeah, posterior. And we're, you're talking about kids now. My kids are 15 and 17. You know, you can say ass to these guys. They're probably lazy asses. And I trail ride the races. <laughs> Did I say something nice about kids there? It slip out? Did I say that out loud? Okay. Very thankful for those clubs and the new areas they opened up in Spankler are awesome. Um, Hey, Greg, awesome that you're taking your kids out and getting them riding. That's number one. That's that's bitching. I, I have not been to a District 37 race. I usually go to one or two a year because I am was out at King of the Motors or King of the Hammers and they happen to have one at the same time. I don't. I used to frequent them a lot and I rode enough hoop-de-doos for the entirety of my life. I managed to compress it into about 10 years. I never want to ride another one um, again. Uh, and the District 37 clubs are working on getting some areas opened up a little bit, but it's not really the District 37 clubs. I beg to differ because I watched what the the four-wheel drive, the Ultra 4 community did and how they fought and fought and fought. And it was it was them and some of the land use groups. Um, I think there was some a little bit of money coming in from the District 37 uh, community, but not it paled in comparison to what, so the next time you see ultra four racers or that, that group, cause they have a lot of money and way more money than we care to even think about is nothing to them. And, and they really fought and kept land use uh, area open, um, especially in Johnson Valley. And I'm not hundred percent sure where the new areas they opened up in Spangler. I'm still, they, they've done, they, they, what, what happened there is they finally completed their route analysis and 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 submitted and produced maps and since the maps were produced they could open up the routes that were previously closed because there wasn't a map and they weren't signed so it was it was it's kind of a and that was just that was literally uh from a lawsuit that was brought by an environmental organization and yeah so district 37 is always kind of there and stuff but they're more concerned with you know racing than they are with uh getting areas opened up although they really should try to focus on that but that's a that's for how long have I been riding motorcycles? It's been a losing battle, but um, some small victories because we are still out there and able to, to recreate. Um, Lucas Eddy from Climb uh, is getting a code 12 on his KTM, his 2000 KTM 350. And code 12, and I had to look this up and he also told me it's the coolant temperature sensor. He says he's having hard starting um, but when he checks his his coolant temperature sensor, he goes with an ohmmeter, he checks it out, and it reads properly both hot and cold, which to me means the sensor is fine. And if I'm just going to roll back into my, you know, like, what's next, besides asking him, what did you do to the bike to cause this problem? 
Like, did you put a tank on and off? Did you, did you, did you, yeah, did you, did you pressure wash it? No, I'm going to go with it. There's a wire. There's a ground in the wire. The wire is pinched someplace. The wire is kind of like my microphone here tonight. Um, so uh, <laughs> um, I'm going to say that it's probably in the wiring harness. And KTM wires, of, of all things, are pretty small and thin. And if you pinch them or smash them into something or squirt water in them or whatever, the plugs, you know, uh, the plugs can get water in them. Uh, I would say it's probably something to do with that. That could ha cause hard starting, but maybe not so much because you think about is it, and I, I should have asked, is it hard starting when the bike is only cold or hard starting all the time? And and I don't think there should be too much of a correlation, especially if it's hard starting cold because it's cold. It doesn't really, that coolant temperature is going to be pretty constant at that point. It's not going to affect the the starting uh, map symptoms. But if the bike's hard starting, uh, check your valves. <laughs> Just start start with checking the valves because that would be a constant. Um, I'm having a hard time uh, starting stuff. Hey George, she was asking about the uh, YZ250X uh, by chance, and guess what? There's uh, Heather's video is up there, and from 2015. Uh, so you can watch Heather ride for five minutes. Uh, oh, that's a great 2015 video. Heather Lewis GS Challenge. If you need to go search that on the on the YouTube's and stuff. Great video. Oh, it's a good video. Yeah, oh, I, sh I shot that. Nobody, sure. nobody told me that I was a good cameraman. Are your credits on? You have a credit Did on? I roll credits on that? I don't remember. <laughs> no, it's very good. Hmm. So, no, I'm. Wayne and him. Barely. August thirteenth. August thirteenth is when they're going to start. We should just yeah. start talking about that. Actually, we should have we should have Hans come in here and um, yeah, and uh, we'll 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 quiz him on uh on how it's going to go. You know how they do that and they like and then and I'll I'll tell them like seven or eight like really important things. And and then when then when he comes back and then I'll the things I told him, we'll find out which one he didn't pay attention to cuz like why would you listen to what I said? <laughs> and then that'll be the one. I I I don't know how I do that. But when it's talking about motorcycles and motorcycle related products, pretty spot on with certain things. And it may not be the orthodox method of doing it. It just happens to work. They're doing a lot of GPS work. Um, not so important. <laughs> Physical fitness. Physical fitness and, and working on your riding, your riding technique. Um, okay, do we have any good questions in the chat room tonight? Did anybody see any? Uh... Oh, George is going to clarify. Cowboy Kent Rollins appears to be a chief, a chef, a chef, not a singer, chief. Uh, so here's the shameless plug for the cook from Oklahoma. So he's a cook from Oklahoma. I don't know. What how did how did that what did that have to do with anything I did? I'm not really sure. Um Google translation for the Spanish I read earlier. No tensioner or chain slider off-road, it will come out. Too bad for Yamaha. That's right. Okay, so that bike does not have a chain guide, essentially. Really? Yeah, no most adventure bikes do not have oh. chain guides. I don't know why. Um but anyways, it doesn't have a lower chain guide, and uh, I've never had a problem with any of my adventure bikes uh, in that respect. I've never derailed a chain on an adventure bike, and I do some relatively aggressive riding, although I don't ride in deep mud very much, like deep mud ruts where that would be a little bit more of an issue. I do ride in sand with rocks, and I've never had that happen. So, um, uh, wow, George, I thought you were Chinese. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
that, that means he's good with the internet, right? <laughs> uh, such a, I'm such a bad person for saying that kind of stuff. Um, Craig Alberts asks, when am I going to come riding up to, and then he, he names someplace? Well, um, Craig, I'm going to tell you one thing about, you'll never know where I'm going to go riding or where I'm riding because, uh, those, some places are really cool places to go riding. I actually was talking to, um, someone else who was a, uh, a influencer of some sort and trying to explain to them how my feelings on keep your private trails private. And even if it is a regular public riding area, don't tell everybody where you're at, especially when it's the best stuff ever, because there are trolls out there who will find out that you went in the best place ever. They'll go ride there and they will tell everybody and everybody will tell everybody else. And it's like, a no, I've seen some really good riding areas get destroyed because they got popular. And so I like to just kind of keep it little, little. Yeah. yeah. So if you have a really good place to ride, just the, the Jimmy rule. Number one is, Hey, tell them you're riding in Jawbone Canyon. <laughs> just, just make up the worst place ever and tell everybody that's where you're, that's where you're riding at. Um, keep your, uh, keep your <laughs> riding stuff, uh, riding. Hey, and if you see, if you're really a Heather fan, you could have been in the chat room and Heather was in the chat room tonight on the Facebook live. You wonder where this shows up live. We do it on Facebook on dirtbiketest.com's page, uh, every Tuesday night or almost every Tuesday night at about seven o'clock. Uh, pending some technical difficulties and we start at 7.10 or, you know, if we're completely screwed up, uh, 7.30. Uh, but I will answer uh, most of the questions. Uh, he's got this. So, so Craig wants me up there because he's got private 5,000 acres. Okay, well, then that's when you send me a private message. Okay, yeah, right. Um, actually, there's a, another really big reason that I could talk to you, Craig. Um, so send, send me an email. It's real easy. It's my name at my website, you know. And then we can uh, we can discuss this further. Um, so Tom Van Veveren, who used to be an awesome cycle news reporter, yeah. says, uh, any comment about the big shakeup at Red Bull USA? Well, I don't know anything about the big shakeup at Red Bull USA. Uh, so I don't know. No, I can't. I don't No comment about it. Um, I'll have to go search for that. But. I'm still pissed off at the guy that cut off my um, my Red Bull supply back in the day. Yeah, when I yeah used to get that stuff. I was I was on the I was on the program. Rodrigo Lopes, Jimmy, could you talk about cardio and training for hard enduro, please? <laughs> in my current shape, uh, I need some. Um, it's at that point. Um, the cardio training and stuff. It's more about learning to manage manage your heart rate and sort of under you know knowing to feel it before it becomes a problem so what i used to do here 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 was my my tra this is the jimbo program i'm letting you in a little insight you see me post the hashtag jimbo and everybody wonders what it is it's a very extensive training program that only a select few have been able to participate in including myself i science it on myself so i used to just ride for ridiculously long periods of time and only eat crap Okay, like like um, those wafer cookies, little Debbie, little Debbie snacks. Yeah, because it's just it's the way I look at food. It's really simple. It's like gasoline. You go to this pump, and there's three levels. You get 87, 89, 92. You can buy some really ex exotic, expensive race gas. You can't get any place, 
and you can go to this you can go to that guy that's going to pour it out of a drum someplace you don't even know what you're getting that's the level of food but there's always 87 89 and 91 and you can run any of them you're just going to detonate a little bit more on one of them you know and and you can you know you can run the mid grade and be pretty happy you can run the other stuff but a lot of times i didn't have access to what i was going to be able to get in foreign countries or doing other stuff and so I would go ride in these long days and push myself and and try different eating methods. Sometimes just eat junk, sometimes eat good stuff when I had access to it. Just see how my body performed. It was more about learning what I required and what I needed. And then as I got more into the the endurance stuff, what was that? You silence that thing? Yeah. So when I started getting more into endurance stuff, I started learning about like you know, going anaerobic and how that affects you and, and over longer, how long I can, how long I can go anaerobic for, how long it took me to recover when I did it, different things like that. So I found that if you, if you really want to, you, you want to isolate your training into very specific things. And so, okay, motorcycle riding is one thing, riding your bike for a long time and learning what your calorie requirements are and what your body digests is that that was a whole nother thing. And then there was like, Where's my heart rate and what's it doing to my body? How am I going to degrade over time? That was something else. And, and especially that stuff was easier done off the motorcycle. I could do it on a road bike. I could do it by running. And I chose running because road bikes just horrified me unless I had a bike path to ride on because I didn't want to get run over. Um, so, so I would do a lot of running and learn what it took to eat while I was exercising at levels, what I could eat. Um, and, then, and then you do interval training. So you do sprints and then run yourself down because that's what's going to happen in a harder day. You're riding and then you get to something gnarly and you start pushing. That's when you're sprinting and you're using a lot of energy and you just can't keep sprinting. You can't keep going at that level. You got to learn to turn it down. And if you go a little bit too far, you really kill your endurance. So for, for that kind of training, I, I really kind of broke it down and too bad. I learned about this about two years after I was a good enough rider to actually do good at hard enduros. So, um, yeah. So where do beer miles, where do beer, oh, where do beer miles fit into it? So that's a, <laughs> that's a bad question, Jane. This show's for kids. Oh, yeah. Oh. I actually oh, challenged, I, I challenged a kid to a beer mile, but I, there. yeah, I know, but Who I made it. Well, he drank a soda pop. He, did, he actually didn't even finish his soda pop. No, I beat him because he never finished his, he didn't, he, he puked. And didn't finish his soda pop or something like that. Uh, so, um, okay. Um, let's see. Yeah. Let's see. We have, we other, we have any other, um, other questions out here? I think we've kind of run through most of the thing. Hey, Rodrigo, thanks for, thanks for the question. Thanks for joining. Hey, thanks everybody for joining in. I know it sometimes gets long and boring and arduous, but I hope you learn one thing, you know, something, whether it's about swing arm pivot locations and chain slack or whatever we talked about tonight. I, I have a hard time remembering when I go to sit down at the computer over there and edit the stuff back up. Uh, but that should do it. Um, what else do we have coming up here at Dirt Bike Test? I think there's some new, there's some new Suzuki stuff up on our website. Not new Suzuki bikes because they don't really make new bikes anymore, but we did some tests on some of their older bikes and some improvements. Uh, we have some really, really big news coming up pretty, pretty soon, but I can't, can't release it just yet. I always say that, but this time it's, it's pretty big. Uh, and if you are in touch with people that are looking to advertise, 
help support this podcast, the website, uh, something else we're working on in the very near future. Uh, set aside a little bit of your 2021 advertising budget so you can uh, communicate with your customers. And uh, then Jimmy Lewis can mention uh, your company name kind of like I do. Climb. They make really nice gear. <laughs> and now, now we're going to get to the why everybody's waiting for the show us your junk uh, contest. We have... Uh, we have our, our field of experts that were working on this while we were doing this. We have chosen uh, some winners. And the good thing is, is that we had a lot of submissions and some of them were good enough to where we decided to have a runner up prize as well. And it was kind of back and forth between which one we were going to choose. Um, I'll tell you what, the, the number one best thing I saw in that, the trickiest thing I saw in that was uh, a guy I know named, his name is Miles. No, no, Miles. Um, I can't remember names. Uh, it was um, Ross. His brother is Miles. So Ross put one of those key retractor cord things, attached it to the, to the, to the, um, to the strap of his thing and hooked his camelback thing to it. So he could pull it up and it go, and it always goes back to the exact same place. Because we all know when we're riding around, we're fishing around for that. So for that, Ross, I'm going to send you some Dirt Bike Test T-shirts. Uh, I I thought that was I thought that was awesome. It was just such a, a cool little idea. Plus, his, his fanny pack was super well organized. His is on YouTube. I would definitely recommend you go look for that if you have a chance. So um, his name is uh, uh, Ross. Search just search on YouTube. Search hashtag show climb your junk and you will learn something you'll learn that some people don't know how to pack a fanny pack either mainly me it's just like i just turned mine upside down and dumped it out on the ground and said hey look this is what's in mine and it gets me through uh like i said maybe not the best method but um it works uh so the 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 runner-up i need i need the sound sound of matron thing yeah sound of matron the runner-up is by Utah Trail Slugs, and they're over on Instagram. They posted up an Instagram, and it's a it's a couple. And I think they did they actually did a couple of videos showing what they had. They had a really nice collection, really well done videos, and they actually had um, they, they had a second one about kind of a, a hip pack or fanny pack, and they are going to get a scramble pack, which is one of climbs uh, essentially fanny packs, which is a bad word to say in Australia. It means something a little bit different. Don't think about that too much. Um, they like to call them bum bags, by the way. And they, they told me that. They asked me, why do you wear your bum bag in the front? And I go, this fanny pack? And they go, no, no, I don't want to do that. Just turn it around the other way. I'm like, I don't want to turn around the other way. You know, <laughs> I didn't know what was going on. I mean, they kind of speak English. So, uh, but the winner, by doing an awesome, awesome uh, uh, video, just super organized, lots of cool stuff, uh, is SOL Dirt Girl. So slow dirt girl on Instagram uh, had a video. She she did the whole video, um, did some stuff, and you are going to win the brand new climb arsenal vest. So if you want to know how to get a hold of your uh, uh, stuff, get a hold of climb, or climb will be getting hold of you via your social channel. And uh, you guys are our lucky winners. I'm going to build a post up on dirt bike test to show the winning videos and stuff, so you can look at it, uh, learn a few things, learn what to do and what not to do. And uh, awesome little contest uh, idea that we had, and I'm glad Climb got behind it. That's the kind of um, uh, sponsors and partners I like to have on this podcast. 
Uh, kind of like KTM. You know, you know what the best bike in the whole world is right now? The one you're on. Five seventy. No, not a five seventy, and it's not the one I'm on because I'm not on one. I'm sitting on a chair. KTM five hundred. Yeah, EXC. That's the best bike. So KTM is. Hold on a second here. It's powered by a distinct ready-to-race mentality. KTM is the world's leading high-performance street and off-road sport motorcycle manufacturer with North American headquarters based in Murrieta, California. Over the years, KTM has built a reputation as a fierce competitor on racetracks around the world, and the brand's remarkable global success is reflected in every product it makes and every move it develops. I screwed that up. Logan, see? You need to come back, man. This show is just falling apart at the seams. And I hope you have that memorized, but not the way I just said it. And if you can tell me what I said wrong, I'm going to quiz you on this next time. Homework, remember? You're supposed to be doing homework. Uh, we will uh, <laughs> we'll get down to this. So uh, with that, I think we're going to call this show a wrap. Uh, also, thanks to Recluse. They're coming on board real soon here. Um, Recluse makes really good automatic clutches and uh, clutch components of all types. Uh, I have the most my my the sprocket guys uh, DDC yeah I need to get some new sprockets so I'm gonna have to um trade them out for some uh, some uh, reads on there uh go check out some of our favorite uh, uh collaborators uh check out we went fast um uh, they have a story up there about the time Doug Henry launched off the jumps <laughs> some of the, one of the craziest things I've ever seen they have the new the shirt I was wearing on last week's. Uh, show uh, is up for sale again. It's a second run of that USGP looking uh, We Went Fast shirt. So uh, check them out. And uh, as always, all the other people that helped me out, uh, Takamoto, George, thanks for uh, helping us out. Uh, Chris Blaze has been really helpful to me in some projects I've had in the near future, although now he's a four-wheel guy, so I'll never talk to him again. <laughs> and uh, of course, uh, our hat sponsor for the night, uh, Jerry Bernardo over at uh, The Prez at Fuck You Racing. Um, so they all have websites. I'd read them off, but then I'd sound like a commercial. We don't want to do that. So with that, I will hope to see you out on the trail, although I won't tell you where it's at. Cheers. Yeah.